I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. Um, And so your will is your opportunity to make sure that this gets done A, quickly, smoothly, and the way you want it, uh, rather than leave everything up to pretty much chance and up to interpretation. Welcome to The Clear Money Mindset providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way. I'm your host and financial advisor, Ben Davies. At Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals, we want to provide you with meaningful tips to help you with your money. Welcome to 2022. We hope you had a great holiday. It's a new year and the new year is usually a great time to take things a bit more seriously and do some of the things you've been putting off. Well, today we want to help with that. We're going to be talking about the importance of wills and how we can go about getting one. We will also walk you through what happens if you die without a will. And our guest today is Ashley Harmon. Ashley is a lawyer at Hogarth Hermiston Severs in Amherstburg, Ontario. If you're looking at getting a will done or thinking of updating your current will, today's discussion is for you. Let's listen in. All right, we are excited to be joined this morning by Ashley Harmon. She is a local lawyer from Windsor, Ontario, and we're going to be talking this morning about the importance of wills. Ashley, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, wills are often a topic we find families delay on. It's not an exciting part of financial planning. It's not going to know give you a seeming rate of return while you're alive but it's massively massively important for people to have them so we want to go through this morning the importance of having a will and just kind of the mechanics of getting one and just demystify what seems complicated and and let people know that this is important and it's it's actually fairly easy to get so for those who are new to this type of planning i'm thinking of of couples, young families. What is a will and why is it important that we should have one? So a will is a legal document that lets the world know what should happen after you pass away. Because when you die, you're going to leave behind property. You may leave behind minor children. Everything is essentially in limbo. And when you die, what happens is what takes over your place in the world is your estate. So, you know, Ashley Harmon passes away. The estate of Ashley Harmon uh, now exists. And in order to wrap that up and move on, uh, we need to follow the instructions that somebody leaves in the will. If the will's done properly and if that will is binding, And if they leave no instructions, then we have to follow just the general rules that the that our Ontario law puts out that apply across the board for everyone. Um, And so your will is your opportunity to make sure that this gets done a quickly, smoothly and the way you want it, uh, rather than leave everything up to pretty much chance and up to interpretation and having uh, the cookie crumbs fall where, where they may. Yeah, and after all that work of uh, acquiring whatever it is you have, or even you could say the time and effort if you have kids that you put into your children, uh, knowing what's going to happen to them, big deal. Absolutely. So 
there's a lot of people out there that do see the value of a will, but you see a lot of times people are, for lack of a better term, writing it out on a napkin or they see a commercial on TV saying, you know, don't pay the money to have a lawyer do this. You need, you can do this yourself online. So I know that you're going to have a biased opinion. And I think a lawyer should have one because at, at the end of the day, the do it yourself at home kits aren't coming to the courtroom with you to help you when you're dead to fight for your family and what your wishes were. What's the difference between me doing a will on my own or buying a kit and having a lawyer prepare it for me? Right. That's an extremely good question. Um, I love the opportunity to be on a podcast because a pinch of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And yes. whether people hire me or not, or hire a different lawyer, it's fine by me. But I do always want to warn people about the horrific errors and and not even just errors, but conundrums that I encounter when people try to save money on their wills. So I, I offer, and I think most, this is true of most lawyers who practice in this area, they yeah. offer uh, a very introductory package that's not much more than these online will companies are charging anyways, to make sure that people who don't have a lot of assets can at least have a properly done will. What happens when people try and do their own wills is the worst of both worlds. If okay. I have clients that come to me and they have a proper will done by a lawyer, they now need to administer the estate. There's years of work that comes after somebody dies. First, I need to send that will down to court, register the death, get the probate. And I mean, there are exceptions to this rule. Every single estate is different. And some estates have been drafted in a trust or in a way that avoids probate. But for the most part, that will document becomes very, very important after the person passes away. Right. And if the person passes away without a will, I still have a clear path to administer their estate. And I just simply take one of two directions. Person has will, valid yeah. will, take direction A. Person has no will, take direction B. And both of those options are fairly straightforward and not very costly in terms of legal fees. The People who come to me who end up paying by far the most in legal fees after somebody passes away are the people who come to me with a will that was attempted by a testator without the assistance of a lawyer. There is always something invalid or verging on invalid with those wills in my experience. Okay. And I can't simply send it down to court as a valid will nor can I send it down to court and say this person didn't have a will because that's not true. They had something they thought was a will. Yeah. Um, so what I end up doing is having to get a special appointment with a judge, draft a ton of material and ask the judge to undertake a whole hearing to determine whether or not we can accept the will, whether or not the court will honor the wishes in the will. Often there are people named in the will that wouldn't stand to inherit if the will isn't valid. So it becomes an argument. And now all the different beneficiaries hire lawyers to argue. Some will argue that that will wasn't valid. Others will argue that it was. Um, the estates so get the, held up for years, essentially, and cost thousands of dollars to administer. And it's it's a huge problem in our society now because yeah. it's only been in my practice in the last seven or eight years that I've been seeing people really think they can do the will themselves and start to do these uh, DIY kits and stuff. 
and they are horrifically inadequate in my experience. And I, I feel bad because the person doing the will doesn't know at the time they think they're doing the right thing. They go to bed every night thinking, I've got my will straightened out. When I die, it's going to be easy for my children. And they have no idea that they have created the just worst possible stress on their loved ones when they're gone. And um, a very so difficult scenario. In that scenario, because I find you know, you never know how much people really cared about you until, until you pass away and they find out you have money. It's Money changes people, um, especially when their view is that some of that should have been theirs. So I just want to follow this logic a little bit and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like the, the easier your will is to be proved as invalid, then what would that, that would make, um, that would make then kind of like the provincial guidelines prevail and give those people who are fighting it a chance to access part of the estate when perhaps otherwise it wasn't listed in the, like the do it yourself kit. Is that part of the danger? Most of the wills that I get that aren't properly done, valid wills, there is no dispute. Often the person, you know, the money may have gone to their children if they died without a will, and that's who they've left it to in the will anyways. But as the executor, you have a duty to do it completely properly. So even if nobody's disputing it, the executor still has to go to court and find out if the will's valid or not. So even if nobody steps up to dispute it, or if everybody in the scenario is trying to be the nice guy and not trying to dispute it, it still doesn't allow the executor to do their job without getting a proper court opinion or moving through. It just becomes very difficult. But there's there's a myriad of reasons why a will done by a will kit may be invalid. And it's also possible that a will done by one of these kits could be somewhat valid. It may not be perfect, yeah. um, but it may be valid. So there there are, I'm sure, scenarios where somebody has done this will through a will kit company and it has been valid. Um, but there are a million ways that it could be not valid. Um, yeah. And it would be almost impossible to get into all the pitfalls that we've seen happen um, or that have come up. One of them is definitely, definitely um, the ability for for wills to be disputed. And if there's any chance that some of the family members aren't going to get along after death, it makes it very difficult for them to get along if you leave them in a situation where they're having to interpret a questionable will. Like even the nicest and sweetest of families get in genuine disagreements over those for yeah. sure. Okay. So at the end of the day, you, even from a from a money perspective, you may have saved yourself 50 to to $100 in order to spend possibly thousands later just getting this will that you wrote out to be worked out which at the end of the day of saving money was your objective you didn't you didn't do that so what about the people who they don't do the they don't do the will kit they just don't have a will at all so if somebody dies without a will what's the process there and maybe just explain a little bit like what could have been avoided had they just gone ahead and got one. Yeah. So when people come to me and their loved one died without a will, 
it's often easier for me to handle for them than when their loved one died with like a crazy will that wasn't done properly or was done half properly or we're not sure if it was proper or we can only find the copy and we can't locate the witnesses and all the problems that arise with the semi-questionable will. At least where it's clear, like we know for a fact this person never, ever, ever had a will, then we know exactly what to do and we can do it fairly quickly. But the issue you have there is you are at the hands of the government. So they just have... uh, They have a piece of law. It gets updated every so often. So I could tell you what it is today and it could be different in six months when somebody passes away and it may be a different set of rules. So you're leaving yourself open to the mercy of whatever the government says happens to the money of people who die without a will at that time that you die. Now, common misconception, and I've had people ask me, does the government come take all your money if you pass away without a will? No, not unless you really, really, really have nobody to inherit from you at all. They will do everything they can to locate your next of kin. But they do have basically a set of rules. um, And it's different depending on your life circumstances. So first they'll ask if you have a married spouse, not a common law spouse. Then they'll determine if you do have a married spouse, what that person would be entitled to, which is dependent on whether you also have children or not. So they need to know if you have a spouse, they need to know if you have children. If if no to both of those questions, they want to know if you have parents. And then we get into something called the table of consanguinity, which is basically a chart that tells us what who is the next of kin. And so we start with does this person have this number of family members, if not, then go to this, if not, then go to that. And they just go down the line until they find your next basically blood relative that they can give the money to. to. And that's just to deal with the money. Cause a lot of people come to me and they didn't have a will or they don't have a will, didn't actually have any money when they passed away. But there's more than just the money that gets determined when you pass away without a will. And that's what happens to your children. So if you have minor children, in your life, um, like if, if you have children under the age of 18, you get to name who their guardian is for the 90 days after your death inside of your will and recommend to the court that that person be put in place as the permanent guardian of those children after your death. Okay. If you don't have a will, then we don't know who the guardian should be, even temporarily or long term, who that guardian will be. And it's just could be a potential custody battle which is also important for people who have blended families or who have grandparents on both sides of the families that don't get along. Now you've left your child in a custody battle. If you have money flowing to a minor child through an intestacy, so if you pass away without a will, that's called an intestacy. If one of the people who's your next of kin is a minor, their money can't go to them until they turn 18. So it gets locked up in court and there's nothing we can do to get it out. If you leave a will and you leave money to someone under 18, you get to put it in a trust fund and it can be accessed for them if they need it for medical treatment or, um, you know, extracurricular activities or school or education. It can be accessed from time to time or it can be locked up for longer. You could say, look, this kid is so irresponsible. They can't have it till they're 40. So you have that control. Whereas if if you have no will, it's just dealt with um, as lock it up till they turn 18 and give them everything then. Last thing to mention about people who don't have the will. 
when I do an estate plan for someone, I learn everything about everything that they own. Um, Because sometimes ownership is held wrongly. Sometimes people have things in their legal name or in other people's legal name, and it shouldn't be done that way. Um, So you can have problems if you die without a will and you haven't sorted out title issues on your real property or other property that you own if it's held in the wrong name. So there can be issues, for example, if you... uh, you don't have your wife's name on the house and you pass away and um, you don't have a will, it's going to be very difficult for your poor widowed wife to remain in that house. So there can be all kinds of complications and technicalities that, that make life life difficult with the intestacy as well, for sure. So essentially I'm in some way boiling this down. You're, you're paying for a voice. And you're making sure that that voice is yours, um, which yes. you can't like once you're gone, you, you can't uh, come back to the table to have conversations with people about what you wanted. This is this is your chance. And and even for people who feel that no one ever listens to them, a will is a great way of making people listen to you at one point in your life. So that's right. Absolutely. So what are. I know you've gone over some of this, but what are some key components? If someone wants to get a will, what are the things they need to be thinking about areas of life they they need to be looking at to say, okay, we need to include this. Um, and then before someone comes to a lawyer to meet about a will, are there some things or information that they could prepare beforehand that would make a lawyer's job easier in helping them get it all together? Yeah. So if you're using a lawyer that does wills regularly and it forms a major part of their practice, the lawyer will take you through uh, a series of questions before they start drafting your will, either with an intake form or an intake meeting. There's a lot of information the lawyer will need in order to give you the best estate plan that you can have because every single person's circumstances are different. Uh, What a lawyer will need to know is like whether you have registered investments like RSPs and TFSAs, whether we can be tax efficient and roll those over to a spouse, whether you have beneficiary designations already filled out for those, if you have life insurance, what kind of property that you have, and do you have legal title in your name or jointly with someone else? Um, So a lawyer needs to know all this information to try and get you into an estate plan that saves you the most capital gains when you die, capital gains tax saves you the most probate tax, saves you the most um, income tax and balances all those different types of taxes so that when you die, your estate pays as little tax as possible. So um, a lawyer definitely needs to know all of that beforehand and may recommend things outside of your will that you need to do to facilitate your estate plan. So they may recommend that you go out and meet with a life insurance advisor. They may recommend that you um, meet with your financial advisor and make certain arrangements with regard to your registered investments, transferring title of real property may be something that they recommend. And so that's going to be on a one-on-one basis based on your circumstances. Uh, The lawyer is also going to want to know all about your family circumstances, children, minor children, custody arrangements, blended families, coming up with a plan as to 
this is how we control what happens when you die to the best of our abilities. And that'll be done in a way that's different for each family, depending on their circumstances. So we want to really think about minor children. We want to think about investments. Um, and we want to think about taxes. We want to think about companies. If people own companies um, or corporate shares, Another thing that often gets overlooked by people is incapacity planning. So there may be years at the end of your life where you are not, you haven't passed away, but right. nor are you mentally present. People get dementia, people get sick, people get hit by cars and end up in a coma. So if you're doing a will, you should always also have proper powers of attorney done at the same time to make sure that you're covered whether you pass away or if something happens to you and you don't pass away, but you can't manage your own estate at that point. So those are kind of the main components of um, what we go through. And then nice. depending on circumstances, you could also make arrangements for pets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The wills can get very, you know, they're, they're as unique as the people who write them. So. No, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. And you brought up something that I think is really important. Um, anyone in listening to this, you know, regardless of whether uh, you get your legal or financial services from anyone on this podcast, it's important that you use professionals who work alongside of other ones because um, oftentimes uh, you have professionals kind of working in a silo. We're all trying to do the best for the client, but nobody knows what the other professional is doing. So um, we're a huge believer in, you know, get your get your financial advisor, your your accountant, your lawyer on the same page, because it's only going to help your planning get better. Um, right. Because no one of I don't th I think it's fair to say no one of us really knows everything about everything. But you put three together or four professionals together, um, and sometimes you don't need this, but especially when cases are a bit more complicated, it just it just helps bring better better solutions and make sure there's no blind spots anywhere. Um, so somebody's listening to this or saying, "Okay, yeah, I need to I need to go out and get a will done." Um, how hard is it for someone to get a will? And how much time does it typically take? Let's just say the average person. We're not, mm -hmm. uh, we don't have, you know, we're not we're not the CEO and owner of five different companies that we need to pass along. But we're just regular Joe uh, living in Windsor, Ontario. Just want to take care of our family if we're gone. Pass along our house and investments, that kind of thing. What what are people looking at? Um, it's very simple to do a will and should be somewhat. Yeah, a smooth and easy process if you hire the right professional. I mean, we've, you know, spent 10 years or plus learning how to do this so that you don't have to worry about anything. Basically, with my clients, they just come to the office. Uh, Zoom calls we're doing a lot of now because of coronavirus, but we still do meet with some clients in person, depending on their preference pour you a cup of coffee and ask you some questions. And your job is to listen and answer the questions. It doesn't take long. And then the drafting side is all done by the lawyer. So you basically, you have this friendly meeting, you give the lawyer your background information and uh, your goals and you know your family structure and history. You, you answer all those questions. Um, the lawyer recommends to you, I think the most, I think what you would you know, what would most suit you would be this type of estate plan. 
And then once you tell the lawyer, yes, that's what I want, they will go back and draft it. Um, it's different drafting times for different lawyers. And I can't comment on what most lawyers, how long it takes them to draft. But I really like to uh, commit to having people back about a week later. And sometimes okay. I'll say to them at their planning appointment, please book with my assistant to come back roughly a week from now. That gives me enough time to sit down and spend a couple of hours drafting it. I usually come back to it a couple of days later and read it with fresh eyes. I'll send it to the client in draft form often to make sure everybody's spelling is correct and we yeah. haven't left anybody out. And um, and then they come in and all they have to do is a 15 minute signing appointment. So it's it's pretty simple on on uh, the client's end for sure. It's and it's nothing to be intimidated about or scared about. And there's no silly questions. Um, and some people come in with a banker's box full of financial documents thinking I'm going to have to review all of that. And that's really not it. Okay. Um, so it's nothing to be worried that I'm going to send you with a lot of homework for. Nice. Um, one important thing we like to tell people as well is uh, finding someone who is going to be there when you possibly need that will executed. I think it's it's important. Like when you're talking about having that conversation with people, I think what I hear is we're not just slapping a bunch of information down on a piece of paper, um, which would be you know the kind kind of mindless just do it online yourself. This is a somebody is sitting there. I think if done properly, really wants to understand what you care about what's important to you, and then you're able to bring it through your legal filter and say, okay, I understand conceptually what's important to you, and we're going to write it in such a way to make sure that that actually happens. And um, this stuff is so important. And like like we said before, all the stuff that you care about, all the work that you've done, the, the children that you've raised, um, it's important to have somebody that's going to listen to you and make sure what you care about gets done. So would you say that's kind of in the best case scenario, whatever lawyer does the will, you want someone who cares and is going to care enough to put those cares down correctly on a piece of paper, but have spent the enough time to understand what those cares are in the first place. Would that make yes. sense? Absolutely. And many lawyers, um, at least in Windsor, will provide free storage of the wills in a, in a fireproof safe. And so when people pass away, their family often comes back to us, the lawyer that did the will, to get the will. And that can be very sad even for the lawyer because you remember that person. You say, oh, I yeah. remember her and I just met with her two years ago. And it's sad to hear that they've passed away. But you also, you know, look that family in the eye and give them your condolences and make yourself available to them to help them through the estate administration process, which is way more work than the uh, will process. Like drafting the will is one thing. Actually moving forward with the estate can be very stressful and time consuming. And I, I hope that when these families come back, I'm able to give them a will that's in very good condition and was very well thought out that yeah. makes their job as easy as possible um, when the person passes away and as stress-free as possible, rather than have an estate plan that was, you know, done very hastily and, uh, you know, maybe difficult to execute. So you're going to be 
you're still going to be around, hopefully. You'll be accountable to that family as they make their way through the estate process. Um, well, and that's so that's got to sure. be, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but that's got to be uh, kind of a privileged thing to be able to be a part of. No one wants to see a client pass away, but to be able to be there to help ensure person you talked to, whether it was a year ago or 20 years ago, um, you're doing what they asked and what's important to them is getting done. That's That's got to be kind of neat. Yeah. And people like it. I'm able to tell people, you know, when your mom was in here two years ago to do her will, she would not stop talking about that bakery you own. And I know yeah, she's yeah. so proud of you. And that's um, something for people that they're like, wow, you know, they, they miss their parents and, and they're going through a hard time and being able to know that, like hear what was behind the scenes when that will was getting done and that, you know, their mom was proud of them and stuff. It can be a really emotional time. And I mean, I know we, we got a call a couple of weeks ago that one of our clients who had done their will passed away. And my, um, I was in court that day. And when I came out, my, my assistant was in tears and it's just like, that's, that's who we are. And I think that's who a lot of, you know, lawyers are is you do bond personally with your clients too. And it's nice yeah. to see their families and be able to offer your condolences and offer any help you can give them. That's great. One last question for you. Um, when should someone think about getting a will? Question one. I guess this is two last questions for you. And then like life changes. There's a, there's a thousand different things that can happen between now and when you do pass away. Um, so when should we get a will, but also when should one consider updating a will? What are the events in life that are at least the biggest ones where it's like, yeah, you need to get on the phone with your lawyer and, and make some changes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's never really too early to have a will if you have children or if you have property. Um, so you definitely want a will. I think most people should be getting them a bit younger than they are. Um, a lot of people come in to meet me to do their will for the first time and they're in their 40s or 50s. And it's like, good thing that you didn't pass away when your kids were little because yeah. it's, you know, that was my main reason for getting my will done was the moment I had my son. I thought, oh, I can't walk around without a will a moment longer because what will happen to him? So having children is probably the biggest one that should clue people in that it's time to get a will. Having said that, I've had young people who didn't get their wills done um, before they even had children. And there can be huge problems there in terms of, you know, whether they've left anything to their common law spouse, etc. So if you start to own property, if you're in a serious relationship, whether it be common law or marriage, if you have children, if anybody in your life is depending on you or relying on you, you should have a will for them so that you're taking care of them when you're gone too. Okay. Um, and then, of course, if you get separated, you need to come get a will or divorced because we have situations where people are separated but not divorced. And then the inheritance goes to the very person they didn't want it to go to. Yeah. Uh, so divorces, yes. Any huge changes in your financial situation. So if you come into a lot of money, maybe an inheritance of your own. Um, if you, you know, acquire a lot of property, if you start a business and you now own a company, if you have a blended family and you're marrying into a blended family, um, we normally tell our clients to take a look at their will every year, roughly, 
and just yep. read it over and make sure that it still makes sense and that all the people that they're referring to are if, still who they want to inherit. If it made sense to them in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it should. But yeah. the other thing is your executor. Like a lot of my younger clients name their parents as executors because that's who they trust. But in 20 years, their parents may not be around anymore or maybe ill. So they need to come back and uh, change their executor. So it's important to look at not just who your beneficiaries are, but also who your executors are and whether your life circumstances or your executors life circumstances have changed. Okay. Well, this has been great. Uh, you provide some really helpful information that uh, can help us wrap our minds around wills and why it's important. So Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and helping uh, the people in this area know why a will is important. Hopefully they Thanks rush for out and get one. Well, thanks I for coming could, on. I uh, could talk about wills for hours, as you can probably tell. So it's something I find very exciting. Hopefully, uh, the, your listeners haven't found it too tedious, uh, but it it can be it can be a good thing. Yes, this has been great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for listening to the Clear Money Mindset. We at Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals are here to help you thrive with your finances. You can find us online at daviesfinancial.ca. For help with your personal finances, you can email us at office at daviesfinancial.ca. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals Inc. Mutual funds provided through Sterling Mutuals Inc. Commissions, trailer commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the simplified prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Music.